Episode 78, Queen Victoria and the British Empire. Hi, my name is Clayton Mills. Welcome to A Short Walk Through Our Long History, a podcast where we look at the events of history and examine how those events shaped our modern world. Well, last episode, we looked at the Republic of Texas, and I mentioned that it was recognized by the United States as an independent country. It was also recognized by Great Britain, and for a while, Texas even had its own embassy in London. So now, we need to go back to Britain and take a look at a much larger empire than the Republic of Texas. In fact, the largest empire the world has ever seen. Last year, in 2023, the longest reigning monarch in British history passed away. That monarch was Queen Elizabeth II, and she reigned for over 70 years. That, by the way, is the second longest of all the monarchs that we have record of. That is, if you don't count the Sumerian list of kings, which we mentioned back in episode two. Whoa. Episode two is about the creation narratives of the ancient world. The longest reign was of Im Min Lu Anna, who reigned for 43,200 years, according to the Sumerian list. But according to modern history, the longest reigning monarch was King Louis XIV of France, who reigned for 72 years. But we digress. Elizabeth II was the longest reigning queen of Great Britain, but the second longest reign belonged to Alexandrina Victoria, who is better known as Queen Victoria. She reigned for 63 and a half years, from May 1st, 1837, to January 22nd, 1901. So she became queen just about a year after the Battle of the Alamo, and also Texas declaring independence from Mexico. Both of those things happened in 1836. And then Great Britain recognized Texas's independence in 1840. So we can thank Queen Victoria for that. Victoria was born on May 24, 1819, so just a little after the War of 1812 had ended. Her father was Edward, the Duke of Kent, and he was fourth in line for the throne after his three older brothers. So technically, when Victoria was born, she was fifth in line, but no one really expected her to ever take over the throne, because if any of those older brothers ever had kids, they would cut into line ahead of her. Now, her father, Edward, died before she even turned one, so she was raised by her very strict and demanding mother and her mother's courtier, and maybe lover, John Conroy. They apparently isolated Victoria almost completely from anyone except her closed family. Victoria began keeping a very detailed journal when she was very young, and her early entries speak of her loneliness and her melancholy. As she grew, her father's older brothers also died off. When King George died, the last remaining uncle was crowned as King William IV, and he reigned for all of seven years before he too died. So when he died, Victoria had just turned 18. 
and that made her eligible to be the monarch. So she took the throne on June 20th, 1837. She quickly moved into Buckingham Palace, and that became her permanent home. She was the first monarch to live there full-time. She also quickly shook off her mother and Conroy, and she kept them at a distance for the rest of their lives. She was a very active and public queen, and she did a lot to win the trust and admiration of the people of Great Britain. She was, for example, the first monarch to ride a train, which she did in 1842. She also wrote about it in her journal, saying it was rather smoother than a carriage and a lot less dusty. She was also the first monarch to sit for a photograph. Victoria got married in 1840 to her first cousin, Prince Albert of Germany. Apparently, she and Albert had a very happy marriage. Albert also stepped up and helped with the royal duties, and he helped organize and promote the Great Exhibition of 1851, which was kind of the first World's Fair. Supposedly, over six million people visited London while the exhibition was on, and this was a big kind of a popularity hit for Victoria's reign. Al and Vic had nine kids, and nearly all of them married into the other royal families in Europe. In the end, Albert and Victoria ended up with 42 grandchildren, many of whom also went on to be monarchs of their own respective countries. That list includes Kaiser Wilhelm II, who will lead a united Germany into the First World War. In fact, at the time of World War I, most of the countries of Europe were ruled by one of Victoria's grandchildren, or at least ruled by someone who had married one of her grandchildren. It kind of makes you wonder what would have happened if Victoria's mom had been nicer and a better role model. Maybe everyone would have just gotten along. But maybe not. They're all just kids. While we're talking about her descendants, some of whom we will come back to in subsequent episodes, I should mention that Queen Elizabeth II, who was the one who died last year, was Victoria's great-great-granddaughter, which makes the current king, King Charles, her great-great-great-grandson. And Charles's son, William, is next in line, followed by William's son, George. So Victoria's descendants have been on the throne for quite a long time. But back to Victoria and Albert. Having nine kids obviously kept them very busy, but they also found time to go and visit Paris, staying at Versailles with Napoleon II. Victoria was the first British monarch to visit Paris in over 400 years. In 1858, Victoria's oldest daughter, Victoria Adelaide, married Frederick III, and he will eventually become the Emperor of Germany, but only for 99 days, because then he died, leaving his son, their son, Wilhelm, who I just mentioned, to take the throne. Now, I need to stop here and go back to a topic that I mentioned back in the episode about the Congress of Vienna. One of the secret goals of the Congress of Vienna had been to keep all the disparate German-speaking countries and duchies from uniting and becoming one huge country. But that's exactly what ended up happening, and it happened during Frederick III's father's reign. So his father, who was named Wilhelm I, became the emperor of a united Germany, and Frederick, the one who married Victoria's oldest daughter, inherited that throne, briefly. Then Wilhelm II, Victoria's first grandchild, eventually became the emperor of Germany. 
Now, at that time, all of Europe was getting pretty worried about this big new country called Germany, which was, at the time, larger than France. In fact, larger than any other European country, except, of course, Russia, which is just huge. When you look at the map of Europe around 1900, you can totally see why Victoria's grandchildren all ended up going to war with one another. All the borders of these countries have these little nooks and crannies and disputed territories and odd border lines, exactly the kind of little chunks of land that can cause big disputes. Especially when both sides of the border have spent enormous amounts of money building bright, shiny new armies with big cannons and such. But we're getting way ahead of ourselves here. Back to Victoria and Albert. Well, back to Victoria anyway. Prince Albert died in December of 1861, apparently of typhoid fever. Victoria was devastated, and over the next several years, basically she removed herself from all of her public duties. She started wearing all black clothing and wore black for the rest of her life. She also started comfort eating, and in the end, she got kind of big. Though she never remarried, she is rumored to have carried on an affair with one of her aides, a Scotsman named John Brown. Rumors of this affair, plus her isolation, began to damage her public image. But her image started to recover in 1872 when a young Irishman charged her with a supposedly unloaded pistol that was drawn. John Brown tackled the Irishman, and nothing came of it, but people began to come back to Victoria's side. In fact, in her life, she survived at least seven assassination attempts. After one attempt in 1882, she is reported to have said, It is well worth being shot at to see how much one is loved. I mean, maybe there are better ways, but I guess it helped her. Anyway, over the course of her 63-year reign, the British Empire kept expanding, reaching its greatest extent, though just right after her reign. By 1920, which was 19 years after her death, the British Empire reached its maximum extent, and it covered almost 14 million square miles, which is almost a quarter of the world's land area. For perspective, the entire surface of the moon is just 14.6 million square miles. History's second largest empire, the Mongols, back from episode 35, had an empire that covered only nine and a quarter million miles only. Yes, I know you're all curious about the Romans. Their empire covered about 1.9 million square miles. The United States currently is about 4 million square miles. Enough geography. Under Victoria's reign, the British Empire expanded all around the world. And the British at the time liked to say that the sun never set on the British Empire, which was technically true because there was always some part of it where the sun was shining. Britain controlled most of the British Isles, large parts of Africa, some of the Middle East, India, Australia, New Zealand, Canada, a lot of small islands all over the place, and they even claimed some land in Antarctica, although no one really counts that. The British conquered many of these lands by force, although some they basically just colonized via trade. Did you know that there are only 22 countries in the world that Great Britain hasn't invaded? at one time or another? I'm a bit surprised they didn't try to invade the Republic of Texas last episode just to say that they had done it. Well, despite all the expansion and invasions, 
Queen Victoria's reign was a mostly peaceful era for the British. It is seen as a sort of golden era for Great Britain, much like the Elizabethan era. Now, that's the first Elizabeth from back in the 1500s. Victoria's reign became known as, of course, the Victorian era, and it coincided with a huge growth in the industrialization of the entire world. And it was basically under Victoria that Great Britain led the world into the modern age. Under Victoria, Great Britain was far and away the largest power in the world, and a huge part of that was the massive growth of the Royal Navy during her reign. The British, as they always had, used their navy to control the seas and support their far-flung armies as they invaded their way around the world. No one could quite keep up, even though the other European powers tried. Of all the colonial efforts by the Europeans, the British were by far the most successful, in part because they always did a better job of investing in the infrastructure of the countries that they took over, even while they pillaged their resources. It was during Victoria's reign that oil was discovered in the Middle East, and it was in fact during Victoria's reign that oil came to be a thing in the first place, because before Victoria, the world didn't run on oil like it does today. It ran on wind and on coal. But during her reign, things started to begin to run on oil. And that, more than any other discovery since Columbus discovered America, is going to change the world. I may have to do an episode just on the history of oil because it's so interesting, at least to me, and it's so important. Oil ends up taking the Industrial Revolution to a whole other level. And that really starts happening right at the end of Queen Elizabeth's reign, right at the beginning of the 1900s. There's one other reason that Queen Victoria was important. How did her reign shape the modern world, as we like to ask? The answer is English. Oddly enough, as I write this, I'm actually in Nigeria in Africa, which was, of course, invaded by the English at one point under Victoria in 1885. No surprise there. And now, nearly everyone in Nigeria speaks some English. In fact, almost anywhere you go in the world, people speak at least a little bit of English. It has become the business language of the world, mostly due to Great Britain under Queen Victoria, although we do have to give some credit to post-World War II America as well. But from 1850 until now, the world has basically been dominated by English-speaking countries. So wherever you travel, people have studied some English. You'll find signs in English in almost every airport, even remote ones. People speak their local language, and then they usually learn some English. And that's kind of odd when you think about it, because English isn't that well organized as a language. It's got over 170,000 distinct words according to the Oxford English Dictionary, plus about 50,000 obsolete words that no one uses anymore. That's way more than just about any other language. It has words from all over, picking up words from every place that Great Britain or America has ever been. Curry, anime, kung fu, pilsner, heck, even Texas, all those words came from other languages. But in the end, it's relatively easy to learn to speak a little bit of English because the syntax and the pronunciation is simpler than it is in a lot of other languages. So learning a little bit of English is easier than learning a little bit of, say, French or Russian or Chinese. 
But like any language, it's hard to speak well. But if you're an English speaker and you travel the world, you've got a better chance of getting around and of finding someone who you can at least talk to a little bit than you do with any other language. And in a way, we have Queen Victoria to thank for that. One last little thing I want to mention about Victoria while we're on the subject of language. She was, as I mentioned, a prodigious journaler, writing over 140 large volumes of diary entries. She wrote her last entry shortly before she died. She died at the age of 81 on January 22, 1901, having led Great Britain and the world into the dawn of the modern era, for better or worse. Her reign was one of the greatest eras of British history, and as I said, it saw the expansion of the British Empire around the world. Next episode, we'll look at some other expansion that was going on as we travel back west, and then we go out to the Wild West, and we look at the American idea of manifest destiny. (laughs) 